All right, welcome everybody to our latest Between the Races podcast on the MX Vice Network. Thank you for listening and supporting the site. We really appreciate it. We'd firstly like to thank our sponsor for this episode in Fly Racing. Fly Racing is aimed to provide customers with the very best in off-road performance products. Led by the revolutionary Formula S smart helmet, Fly Racing continues to push innovation in safety to new levels. Never before has style and technology blended together so seamlessly as the 2024 Fly Racing lineup. For more info, check out flyracing.com or your local Western Power Sports dealer. Follow at Fly Racing on social media and cheer for all the Fly Racing riders in the Super Motocross World Championship. All right, firstly, welcome Jason Thomas. How's life and thanks for joining us, mate. Obviously, it's been a busy day for you traveling, no doubt. Yeah, it's been good. Uh, it's not a not a very long trip for me to get to San Francisco, so that's that really helps. But everything's good here. The weather's beautiful. I think we're going to deteriorate pretty significantly over the next 48 hours or so. But I'm going to enjoy it for what it is for now and uh, just hope for the best for Saturday. Yeah, awesome, mate. Obviously, we're expecting a little bit of that mud coming in. So obviously, it's the talking point among the fans at the moment. So obviously, that'll you know make things a little bit more different. But overall, everyone seems to be pretty happy to be heading back to San Francisco, mate. So just tell us about how it is for you. And also, great job on the TV coverage on the weekend, mate. You and the team smashed it. So just tell us a bit about your night as well at A1. Well, my night was pretty good. Um, you know, for me personally i'm just trying to continue to improve uh be a better analyst and add to the tv show and really just give my bosses on the weekend what they're looking for out of the out of the broadcast um and if i can do that i think they'll continue to give me opportunities and allow me to be on the team so that's really my goal um you know thankfully the racing on the on the track gave us all we could want you know it was good battles and you know Jet and RJ did their thing, but there was just a lot to talk about throughout the weekend, some surprises, some things we expected that did play out. Uh, but, you know, overall, I think for everybody, unless you were a racer who had a bad night, it, it was hard to leave there without being satisfied with the weekend. Yeah, it was a pretty awesome weekend for sure, mate. And obviously from a fly racing perspective, RJ Hampshire getting the win was just amazing too. He looked great, speed, skill. Got that mindset too, mate. He just wants to win all the time. Sometimes maybe he doesn't back it down when he should because there was a couple of moments in qualifying and whatnot. But yeah, how good was that for you and the brand, mate? Yeah, it was great. I mean, he's our big hope, right? We have uh, Max Anstey on the East Coast that we're expecting big things from too. But, uh, you know, I've been kind of hyping it up a little bit, but really more because it's what I believe. I, I truly think this is RJ's year. And uh, when you really look at how 2023 went for him, where he is, I know they made improvements with motorcycle behind the scenes, you know, who he's up against. It's hard for me to make a case why he wouldn't come out and win. And, and racing is not predictable. We know that. And especially with a guy like RJ, who has, you know, a tendency to crash at times. We've seen it over the course of his career, but just on paper, I just felt like it, it lined up really nicely for him. And yeah, he made me look smart on the weekend. So uh, congrats to him. Congrats to everyone involved. And, and of course for fly racing, it was awesome. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And obviously anyone that wants to hear your thoughts immediately after the race, that industry seating podcast you do is pretty cool, mate. So listen to that, fans, because that gives a great insight from someone that's on the floor every weekend and just has that insight, don't you, mate? So I guess looking towards the track this weekend too, mate, obviously with it being a mudder that would favour guys that start well and obviously people like AP and Barsha who love that kind of stuff. So any sort of key things that sort of catching your eye with the track this weekend, mate, obviously it's going to be at a level where it's not too difficult in these first couple of rounds, like you mentioned, but yeah, just give a little insight on that podcast you do on the mud and the track this weekend yeah so if you want to check my podcast out as you mentioned and thank you very much for that um it is called industry seating and uh, i usually try to get it out by monday uh just depends on my travel schedule but 
I really just kind of talk by myself and kind of go through the weekend from my perspective and uh, I get to steer it how I want to. Um, yeah, it may not be for everyone, but I really enjoy doing it. And that's to me the most important part. So invite everyone to check that out. Um, but uh, as far as this weekend goes, the track, we'll see, you know, the weather, as I mentioned off the top is, is the biggest variable. Uh, let's assume it doesn't rain. I don't think the track's all that dissimilar in concept from Anaheim. Now is the track map the same? No, it looks nothing like it, but conceptually, I think it's similar because it has like the first, and I'm talking in American baseball terms. So for those of you that are maybe in Europe or wherever, you may not fully understand, or it may not click with you, but all these stadiums right now on the West coast are typically baseball stadiums. So they're built around what a baseball diamond would be. And on the first baseline and the third baseline are going to be the longest straight line opportunities that we have. So at Anaheim, you'll see it again at Anaheim too, I'm sure. This weekend in San Francisco, um, this type of layout on a baseball diamond, you're going to have rhythm sections go along the first baseline and the third baseline. And we have that again. And then outside of that, the track is kind of easy. Um, there's one whoop section versus there was two at Anaheim. And then there's a lot of like the fast switchback, short straightaway type things that you saw at Anaheim as well. And that's not necessarily because they're trying to make them similar. A lot of that is the way a baseball diamond is laid out. It just kind of has to cross over itself several times. Because if you think about a long straight, a long rhythm section on East, each of the longest ends of the stadium, and then you have a start straight cutting through the middle of everything, you're almost going to have to cut across the start straight several times to piece a motocross or a supercross track together. So a lot of these tracks end up looking the same or feeling the same, but it's really more of the stadium kind of forcing the track designers hands than it is them wanting it to look or feel the same. Yeah. It's going to be really cool to see how it races and plays out. And the guy we want to obviously touch on with the MXGP focus on MX Vice as well. Obviously, how did you see Prado's night? Obviously he admitted to struggling in the whoops and just struggling with racing at night a little bit. He was a lot of discomfort all day, really. or so many unfamiliar things. And he obviously got lapped by Jet 2, which, you know, is not ideal, but obviously getting 13th is still a pretty credible effort. I guess you sort of step back and remove yourself. It's a pretty amazing achievement stepping into it, what he's done, mate. So how did it hit the expectations for you? Yeah, I, I think it was maybe not quite on paper what he was looking for, but I don't know what more you could expect. You know, I, for those that are, you know, MXGP purists and maybe you don't care for Supercross, I, I get it. You know, I, I understand and that's totally fine, but they are very different disciplines. And for Jorge, he really has zero Supercross experience whatsoever. You know, he didn't go the route of, Dylan Ferrandis, or especially a lot of the French stars that we've seen over the years where they spent a lot of time practicing and racing Supercross in their youth, Jorge didn't do any of that. So it's going to take a minute. And you also remember he's jumping into the deep end of the pool. You know, he's riding the 450 class where you think about Grant Langston or any of uh, outside of Sebastian Tortelli, everyone else kind of went through the small bike class, uh, cut their teeth a little bit, gained experience, and then once they were prepared, they went after, you know, the, the best in the world at this discipline. So it wasn't, uh, it wasn't all that surprising for me. Uh, you know, we got the start in the main event that we all know, you know, he's, he is one of, if not the best starter in the world that remains, but the intensity, the just being, you know, he's mentioned in a podcast after the race about 
how everything was new for him. The format, they used different signs for the heat race or the main event as far as like what they're going to use as far as a 30-second board. Um, the practicing format, like sometimes you're allowed to practice to start, sometimes you're not. Like it was all new. The entire day was just new after new after new after new. So it's a lot getting thrown at him. And then on top of all that, look at the results. Like Eli Tomac got ninth, you know? So it wasn't like it was a weak field with a bunch of privateers running around 10th. That's not what this field is right now. You have factory riders all the way to 15th. So it's going to be an uphill climb. You have guys like Malcolm Stewart and Christian Craig and these guys that are former champions in the 250 class that are trying to get inside the top 10. Ken Roxon got 10th in the main event, you know, and yes, he had issues, but that shows he could only get back to 10th shows the depth. Malcolm Stewart got 11th in the main event. Uh, so when you, I think when you factor all those things in, it was absolutely fine. He's going to get better. And this is what I wanted him to do. Learn, be patient, understand what the situation is. And then when he comes back, I, which I absolutely believe he will comes back for 2025, he's going to know in October when he starts his training for supercross, what the level is expected to be, right? Because if he didn't do this, I think he may underestimate it. And a lot of people that are watching MXGP may underestimate what Supercross, how difficult it is. And I would say the same thing for American motocross. They underestimate the, the speed and pace of MXGP. They're just incredibly different. And if you don't have respect for each other's discipline and their specialty, their way of racing, then you're only fooling yourself because those that know understand it. So it's not that he can't do it over time. It's not that he won't ever figure it out. It's just, you just have to give it the time and the learning and, and the respect it deserves. Nothing more, nothing less. Yeah, it was absolutely, yeah. It's just so cool. Obviously, it gets so much attention. And it's just great for the sport in general, him taking a leap like that. And obviously, another man that's great for the sport, Jet Lawrence, just excelled again. I guess we're running out of superlatives to describe just how good he is, mate, isn't he? Obviously, 450 Supercross debut got the job done. Real masterclass. And obviously, like you said, that class is no joke. It wasn't like the outdoors where there were so many people injured. It was Dak. So I guess the key takeaways for you, mate, things like technique, judgment, decision-making, obviously adaptability because he did go through some adversity earlier in the day. And he's just so confident and he is an absolute competitive beast who obviously likes to have a joke and laugh outside the sort of framework of the racetrack. But yeah, when he's on, he's on, isn't he, mate? He's certainly, the gate drops and he's sort of well and truly dialed in. So yeah, it's just so cool to see him progressing and just great for the sport. And obviously he's managed so well by the team and his family and his dad especially. And it was definitely mixed fortunes for him and his brother, wasn't it, mate? So how did you see Jets night? Pretty impressive, wasn't it? I mean, the guy's just a freak. And, you know, I mean that in the best way possible. Uh, yeah. You think about what he's done since he's got climbed onto a 450, and it's it's remarkable. You know, like outside of Charlotte, he hasn't shown any vulnerability really whatsoever. You know, you can make what you want of the Chicago incident with Roxon, but he was winning the race when he waved him by, whether he would have or wouldn't have. I don't really care. It's just been one impressive thing after another just that how else can you impress me or make my jaw drop on the floor and it's not that he's going out and winning by 30 seconds you know that's how kind of james stewart went about things he's just managing the races and i i don't quite understand how someone with his personality and like his he's just got this like youthful kind of a personality where he doesn't take things seriously he's constantly joking and if you if you spoke with him, I think you'd understand, not necessarily you, Ed, but just in general, 
if you got to speak with him privately, you'd understand like he, he very much acts and talks like a kid, you know, but he races like a multi-time champion that's 30 years old and has the sport under his thumb. That's what he races like. So I don't, I, we know we've kind of been talking about that same thing for the better part of six months now, that same dynamic, but I don't really know how to square it. And I still don't because every time I think like, okay, this is going to be a learning moment for him because it's a new thing and he's going up against the best of the best and they have all the experience and he doesn't, he proves another way to kind of just show me that none of that really matters when we're talking about him. So like you said, we're running out of superlatives for him. Um, it is true, truly remarkable to watch this kid. You know, I, I believe that a legend is being developed and the legend of Jet Lawrence is unfolding right before our eyes. And we don't know what this looks like in three years, five years, 10 years, but it certainly feels like we're watching history being made by this kid. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And I guess the bad for the rest of the field, isn't it? You don't want to let a guy sort of run away with it, especially gaining confidence. And I guess it's pretty ominous for the other guys. And it's a little bit depressing and sort of deflating seeing him doing what he's doing. And obviously someone like Sexton, who's so determined, and he definitely wasn't particularly happy with that podium, even though it's just good result to get the points. But is there a chance he runs away with it now, especially getting the ball rolling like that in your mind? There is certainly a chance. Um, you know, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's going to go that way, though. I, I really don't. Um, when I kind of look at how good Cooper Webb was, how good Jason Anderson was, we know Tomac's going to figure it out, right? Like for everyone thinking Tomac was going to come in and win, which some of my friends did, I was like, I just don't see it. Like I've been hurt too many times and I know how difficult it is to come back from a big injury. I think it's going to take him a little bit of time and, and we're seeing that kind of play out. Um, but there, there are plenty of riders who are going to have really good nights. So I don't think it's going to be complete domination. That doesn't mean he won't be the champion and by a wide margin. I just don't think it's going to be the runaway situation where we show up in Detroit and then Birmingham and wherever. And we're like, yeah, I already know Jet's going to win. You know, the way it was with James Stewart or some of these years where it was just complete and utter domination. I don't personally see that happening. It just may end up that over the course of 17 rounds, Jet proves to be the best guy and the best guy by a lot. I just don't think it's going to be where no one else has a chance, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's a massive season. We're going to see so many awesome battles and those other guys aren't going to lie down. They're just going to be so fierce to get at it again, aren't they, mate? And just a little side story, obviously, those felt experiences the Lawrence brothers are doing. What was your perception of that? Obviously, it looked really cool. It's a cool thing to, you know, bridge the gap between the sport and the mainstream and just get some outside fans. And even if Jet does win, it's just a pleasure watching him ride, isn't it? And seeing him develop and he has that star power and X factor, like, you know, guys like Roxon and Deegan that transcend the sport. So obviously divides opinion as well, mate. There's a fair bit of Jet hate out there people feel like you know the promoters are throwing him down the throat a bit and there's a bit of jealousy you feel like dislike of him in certain fields mate but I guess you can't really you know just be happy for him to see what he's doing and seeing where he's come from the story is amazing and I guess yeah your thoughts on the felt experiences and a bit of that animosity towards him as well yeah it's really cool you know I, I kind of pioneered the VIP thing so I, I look upon it with a little bit of pride because I was doing that from the very beginning and uh, the guy running it now for them is uh dan truman with you know the backing of lucas myrtle dan was my best friend and still is um was my mechanic and also kind of you know kicked off the vip program off the back of what i was doing did that with chad reed and then that turned into you know what is now the biggest program which is the lawrence experience so i take some pride in it even though i have nothing to do with it 
I take some pride in it because I know a lot of the concepts that I with some other people developed they're they're you know they've taken it and ran with it like by all means they're they've taken it and gone over the top like they're it's so far past what I ever dreamt of um but yeah I, I do look over it and say yeah it was this probably doesn't happen if if so many years ago 2012 um and the end of 2012 we didn't start doing this thing so that that's been interesting to watch uh but as far as the you know the haters go and the th- that's just sport you know um any anytime you have somebody that is this good and this well liked you're gonna have people that don't like him you know and that's to be expected and that's why sports are so popular you know not everybody likes the best guy somebody's gonna you're always gonna have favorite riders and anytime you have somebody doing all the winning some people aren't gonna like that so i kind of just shrug my shoulders at it i don't think that jed has given anyone a reason to dislike him you know he hasn't made some huge mistake or misstep where i'm like yeah well that's going to create a lot of enemies you know it's just it's just sport and and people have favorites and if your favorite's not doing very well and another guy's winning all the time yeah you're probably not going to like that guy so i i don't put much credence into it um you know speaking with hunter and jet and dazzy and everyone involved um i truly believe they do things the right way they are mature. They're respectful when they talk to people and just so happen to be doing all the winning. Guess what? They deserve all the credit. You do all the winning and you treat people well, you're, you're going to get nothing but respect from me. And, and that's how I think that everybody should treat them. I know that's not how they're going to. I get it. But that's how I think it should be. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much more positives and negatives associated with it for the sport and everyone involved. And just quick few words on Hunter's night. Obviously, not ideal at all, mate. As you said, sort of a weekend from hell, you know, you probably want to quickly forget that one and just move on to the next race, mate. So just how was he after the race? Did you sort of see how flat he was and just how disappointed that was for his debut in the 450 class? Yeah, it's probably just uh, shocked more than anything, right? And and it was just a bad weekend all the way around for him. He... uh I mean, he started out on Friday at Preston, had, had a huge crash. That video was floating around out there. And then he crashed again on Saturday in qualifying practice. Maybe a couple of times I saw him picking his bike up. And then that rolled into the heat race, which really wasn't his fault. You know, Vince Freezy did what Vince Freezy does. And then the LCQ is the only time that I really put some blame on him because his start was horrific. I, he was the last person going into the first turn. And his gate pick, he was on the inside. It wasn't a bad gate pick. Maybe not ideal, but it wasn't bad. I walked down and looked at his line of sight for the first turn before it, and it was fine. But he got absolutely smoked coming off the starting line and got cut off, and then he was last. So when you're Hunter Lawrence, a former 250 champion, you're on a factory team, a factory bike, and you have as much talent as he does, that can't happen. And then he kind of picked his way through the first few laps of the LCQ and and in the end came up short. So it was just... A bad sequence of events. The LCQ, probably, he de- he deserves to take some blame there. Uh, but I would just forget all of it and come into San Francisco and, and pretend it never happened. You know, that's easy for me to say. But I've also had some horrible races in my life. I've had some horrible A1s. And you just, you can't dwell on it because you just have to pretend nothing really went well. You know, because I think it's easier for him to do that, I should say. Because this was not a result of poor riding. When I had bad A1s, some of the time I just rode really poorly. And that's hard to forget because you know you were just too slow. That wasn't really Hunter's problem. He just couldn't stay off the ground and first turn crashes and all that. So it's a, it's a little bit easier, I think, to square and say, yeah, 
horrible turn of events. You know, I just can't put myself in bad spots, but the riding is fine. I'll qualify well and everything will be different. So that's what I expect. I don't think it'll look anything like it did in Anaheim. And, and if he, he told me he got seventh place this weekend, I would say, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, we're definitely looking for a bounce back from him for sure, mate. And the other guys that filled out the podium, obviously Anderson looked good, fit, healthy, happy in the bike as well. He's obviously mentioned to you at those media days earlier just how much of a you know uplift he's had there. And he was pretty open in the press conference just admitting maybe he was a bit distracted last year. Obviously, so much going on with the family, obviously off the track. And maybe it sort of took him away a little bit. But now he's well and truly back to that level of 2022, hopefully. And in the past, he's just such a great rider. And when he's flowing, like he's kind of one with the bike, isn't he, mate? So your thoughts on Anderson, obviously Sexton as well, which we touched on earlier too, mate. Yeah, Anderson was great. Um, you know, I talked to him on the podium a little bit before we went on, went live and uh, you could see relief in him. Uh, you know, he also got a new trainer for this year. He's still working with Brock Ticklesome, but he brought on Alex Martin and uh, John Wessling to uh, just mix things up a little bit, the off the bike training stuff. And I think he needed it. He just needed some change and to freshen the program up a little bit. So you can tell he's just back, right? Whatever he had in 2022 you can tell that fire is there again and he is back to that form so uh, yeah i would expect him to be similar to this that doesn't mean he's going to be on the podium every weekend but it's not going to be that that we're not going to leave each weekend going where the hell is jason anderson right like where is that that form and all that speed that we're used to seeing i I think he he kind of rekindled that so that's that's great to see uh and then moving to chase sexton it wasn't a great weekend you know i don't you know, as you look at qualifying, it was okay. Um, he really pulled it together in that final session, but then the heat race was a mess, right? He had to come back through the pack just to get in the main event. And then the the main event itself wasn't anything special. You know, he was, if you take Cooper Webb's crash out of it, he ends up fourth in a lonely fourth. You know, he wasn't able to close the gap down on Anderson or Cooper Webb at all. And uh, for a while, Aaron Plessinger was actually catching him. Now Sexton kicked it into gear, and I think his, he – rebounded like fitness wise and it's like okay i can't let my teammate get me here like that's not going to happen but he was going to be fourth in that main event and web crashing kind of changes the narrative a little bit you know but i think we have to be truthful and say okay this wasn't a great race for sexton and he's likely fourth which feels a lot different than third and you know for sexton there's no upside in talking about it or looking at it that way but as an, an analyst or us bench racing a about it to me i think we have to be truthful and say okay that's not good enough right he was nowhere near where jet lawrence was in that main event you know jet was out cruising by himself for most of the race and and sexton was i don't know 10 seconds back maybe more 15 seconds back i'd have to look at the uh, the lap chart so i think he's got to take a hard look in the mirror and say i've got to we've got to be better than this and i i think he is you know the positive for sexton is that there were a lot of people whispering that this was going to go really poorly for Chase. He had really been struggling during the week. He wasn't happy with the motorcycle. It wasn't a disaster. So if you're looking for something to be like, okay, we're, we're okay. And that's why I think Chase was, he just took a deep breath and kind of exhaled and say, okay, it's not going to be horrific. We've got some work to do, but we can make this as a base platform and, and work from here. Um, so it'd be interesting to see a week later what, what that all looks like. Uh, but I, I thought, he had the most questions to answer going in. And I don't necessarily know that he's answered those to kind of, you know, put a a bow on it. I'm giving Sexton kind of an incomplete because I didn't, I don't really have the answers that I need from him yet. 
Yeah, it's going to be pretty cool to see how his season plays out. Obviously, so much buzz and hype around him, and obviously, he's the champ. So, like you said, mate, yeah, it's just a lot of unknowns still for him. But a guy that obviously everyone loves, AP, makes it so much fun, doesn't he? And the personality shines through. And he's one of those guys that can balance the seriousness of racing pretty well by still sort of keeping things pretty light and having fun, which obviously is a pretty good proven formula for a lot of guys to succeed. You look at someone like Guadagnini in Europe, he loves all that, you know, to have a laugh, and that's how you get the best out of him, mate. So, you know, great ride by him, AP, and obviously, look fast confident there in fourth and he's in great shape you know he's happy with the bike and everything's looking pretty good isn't it mate he was really fast in the whoops a lot of the night so i guess he's kind of coming in pretty primed he had a massive year last year and obviously didn't really have a huge off-season break with the motocross nation so he's pretty primed at the moment and if the weather gods sort of go in his favor mate he could get that first win this weekend yeah i'm i'm a huge ap fan and uh that's probably where i should always start the conversation because i'm always gonna give i'm gonna give glowing reports about him um i just I love his personality and you know, it's interesting for me. It's so true to form when you're down there in the tunnel before Anaheim, before opening ceremonies. I mean, that's like the most get nervous time of the year. I think for everybody, like there's a lot of stern faces and kind of uh, wrinkled foreheads because everybody's feeling the tension and nervousness of a new year and expectations. And there's been months and months and months of work put in by you and your whole team to be ready for this moment. And you don't know what that's going to look like. You know, is it going to be like Jet Lawrence or going to be like Hunter Lawrence? And that's the fear. Most of the time it's going to be somewhere in between, but it can all go terribly wrong, just like it did for Hunter. And I got to talk to AP and he was so relaxed. Like he was just hanging out. And I'm like, man, you don't, you don't seem nervous at all. And he's like, I'm really not like, I, and I, to me, I couldn't imagine feeling like that because I could barely talk. I was so nervous at Anaheim one. So to see him just kind of chill like that, it's remarkable to me. Uh, I wish I could have absorbed or, or learned how to be more like him in those moments uh, because I think it served him well is really the point I'm getting to. He was able to ride like himself and ride loosely and fast and not let the tension and expectation of the moment be the defining characteristic. And we saw that in his riding. Like, he was really, really good all night long. Uh, so kudos to him for being able to kind of put it all in perspective and be like, hey, it's just another race. We're going to be fine. And I'm not expected to win the title, so I'm just going to go do my thing. And uh, I think that's that really helped him uh, on a huge stage like that to, to get fourth. Was it a podium? No. But everybody there that was paying attention left there going, man, like, AP was pretty damn good. Yeah, I know. It's so cool to see him doing well. And obviously everyone wants to see that win in the future, mate. Hopefully it's coming sooner rather than later. And just before we wrap this one up, mate, any sort of last words on obviously Ferrandis getting fifth was pretty impressive. Like we've talked about, he's so happy on that program. It's interesting to hear the comment that he said the team doesn't really necessarily have immense resources, but there's such smart, intelligent people working together as a unit to get those results. So that would be a really good boost of confidence and momentum for him. Then obviously Kenny and Mookie had good rides through the field. They'll be looking to bounce back. And Webb was definitely better than expected for sure. Obviously, you never doubt Webb, do you, mate? So, and then obviously Tomac, we touched on with a sort of a subpar night, which was somewhat to be expected. And yeah, Justin Cooper, unheralded ride under the radar, beating Tomac. So pretty impressive few guys you'd like to take on there. Yeah, I mean, all the way through the field, there seems to be storylines. Uh, I was very impressed by Ferrandis, no question about it. Um, there are a lot of skeptics with that, that program going in. And I think he shut a lot of people up. Uh, I wasn't really one of them. I didn't have any positive or negative expectation. I was just kind of like, let's wait and see. Uh, but I, I give him an, an A grade for the weekend. A great job from him. Um, and yeah, we'll see. We'll see where it can go from here. But all that 
all those great comments he was making about the Honda, I think he backed those up. And that's all you can really do is, you know, you, you can talk about it, but when it's when it's really time, you have to be about it. And uh, I think he he did the job. So uh, great job to him and Ziggy at Factory Connection is likely who he's speaking of, you know, the smart people. And I've worked with Ziggy a lot in my career, and he is a brilliant, brilliant guy. And uh, you can see that kind of shining through that program. Uh, and then moving through the field, um, yeah, Mookie and, and Roxon both, yeah, you know, they had problems, right? They You get caught up on the first lap, and you don't get to show kind of what you had. Uh, Roxon was flying in his heat race, and I don't think it was reported on enough. Um, but he was ready to go to war with whoever in the main event. I, I think he had the pace to go with Jet if he had gotten out front with him. So I think I think Kenny knows that, and uh, we'll see what Kenny can bring this weekend, especially if we have inclement conditions. Kenny is great in, in a situation like that, in the mud, in really challenging technical conditions. Kenny's phenomenal. So we'll see if he can uh, have a bounce back and maybe a, get a surprise win early. That would be great. For everybody involved, I think for the sport in general, uh, it's just a better sport when Kenny's at his best. Uh, and then, yeah, you mentioned Justin Cooper, really underrated ride. You know, there are way too many things to talk about for Justin Cooper to get a lot of credit. Uh, but for him to come up and pass Eli Tomac, I think spoke volumes, you know, and it myself and I think other people kind of had questions about where does Justin Cooper fit in in 450 Supercross because it is so deep and when it comes to pro motocross this summer, I'm fine. Like I think he'll be a top five mainstay, but in supercross, I, I don't really know. And if he can stay around eight, a lot of the time. And then when he has the outlier positive weekend, if he can get, you know, the fourth, fifth, and maybe challenge for a podium. If, if the opportunity arises, I think that's absolutely fine. And he should be commended for it because I want to talk about somebody coming in with zero expectation. That is the definition of Justin Cooper supercross season. He's got Eli Tomac and Cooper Webb as his teammates, right? So how can you have expectation when those two are sharing the truck with you? Um, and, and I thought he delivered. I thought he did a great job of just flying under the radar and putting in a solid result. And you know it had to feel good for him passing Tomac. You know, I, I'm sure he understands Tomac's coming off an injury and he understands that Tomac's going to get better. But you're passing the second all-time winningest rider two-time champion and the team leader of your truck and you get to pass him at the opener that had to feel good for him coming back to the truck yeah absolutely mate well said great insight and just quickly before i let you go any final thoughts mate obviously the atmosphere looked great there were so many cool different bits of gear on show and bike plastics and i guess the fox one piece on craig definitely caught the eye and all the cool stuff fly was doing mate obviously there's some pretty cool stuff in the works for fly that you've got in the plans mate so just a few words on that and how excited are you for this weekend mate yeah, it's always fun to see everybody's new gear, new look and everything. Um, you know, a lot of people, including Fly Racing, we don't do too much at the opener because there's so much fanfare that it kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Like if you try to do limited edition gear or really stand out, there's just too much. There's too much spectacle. There's too many things that are, you know, bright, shiny objects to grab the, you know, the people that are tuning in. You're not going to get any real focus on it. So we have some things in the works coming up over the next few weeks. Uh, and I'll certainly, you know, share on, on this show as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think that was the same for a lot of brands is they're kind of holding back stuff that they want to release because everybody knows the opener is just too crazy. Like you're not going to get really any sort of emphasis or a, a highlight shined upon it. Um, so we'll see what everybody has. But yeah, the Fox thing was cool. You know, I, I don't personally think that's ever going to be a consumer item. 
but uh, as far as brands pushing the envelope, I'm all for it. You know, uh, with our Formula S, the things we've done in the helmet game with adding smart technology to helmets, like I think we're absolutely doing that as well. So kudos to them for thinking outside the box. Um, and, and I think, yeah, you know, materials and possibilities are, are rapidly improving um, and, and continue to do so. So, uh, yeah, we never know what, what's kind of around the corner, but I, I do applaud anybody who's willing to take a chance like they did. Yeah, absolutely, mate. It was a great weekend. And obviously, thank you for taking the time to join us, mate. And thank you to Fly Racing for sponsoring this one. Obviously, go check them out at Fly Racing USA and social media and follow all their riders this weekend and across the globe. So thanks again, JT. All the best and have a great weekend. And we look forward to speaking soon. Thanks, Ed. No worries, mate. Have a good one.